0: Hunting isn't easy. It takes a certain amount of hunting skill to kill a wild game animal. Not every hunting adventure will result in a bounty of delicious organic food. So don't get discouraged if you come home without a cooler full of meat to show for. As you advance in your journey as a hunter, you will likely have the inclination to learn the traits and tactics of elite hunters, so that you can use their information to help you bring home more than memories from a hunt. My guest today, Trevin Stoltzfus, talks about the idea that 10% of hunters killed 90% of the wild game. He explains the common traits he found in his research of this elite group of hunters, and how adopting these traits has helped him to be much more successful in the field. Welcome to Activate the Hunt, helping you master the skill of hunting. If you're a new hunter who's just getting started, Or you've been hunting for a while, but want to learn new tips, tactics, and information to help you become a better hunter? This podcast is for you. Get ready to activate the hunt. Welcome to episode four of Activate the Hunt podcast. My name is Colin Cottrell. I'm your host. You can find more information and the show notes from this episode at activatethehunt.com forward slash zero zero four. If you're new to this podcast, I want to welcome you. I interview some of the top hunters and hunting ambassadors there is, and ask them the questions that will help all of us learn hunting tips, tactics, and information, and essentially, advance us on our journey as hunters. There's a few things I want to mention before we get into our interview this week with Trevin. First things first, don't forget to join our Facebook group. It's called the Activate the Hunt Digital Campfire. This is a free online community where you can talk with other hunters, ask hunting-related questions, share hunting tips and stories, and so much more. This community will provide great value to all of you, no matter if you're a beginning hunter or you've been hunting for years. You don't want to miss out on the conversations that we're having in this group. Make sure you join right away at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash activate the hunt. Second. Since it was Independence Day yesterday, I thought it would be fitting to highlight a sportsman group that is helping to protect our wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. This sportsman group is called Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Now, I'm not being paid to mention BHA or anything like that. I actually have been following what they are doing for a few years now, and I recently signed up and paid for a membership. I really believe in their mission and values, and I think it's important that we all get behind sportsman groups like this. To learn more and get involved, check out backcountryhunters.org. Alright, let's get ready for our interview this week. Trevin Stoltzfus, a former collegiate and professional wrestler and professional bull rider, was born and raised in southern New Mexico, where he had the privilege of working as an elk, mule deer, and antelope guide. From an early age, the love of hunting, fishing, and the outdoors was instilled in him by a heritage passed down through his grandfather, uncles, and older cousins. Having taken numerous trophy big game animals, he now desires to pass that passion for the outdoors onto others through the written word, outdoor seminars, television, and videos. For the past several years, Trevin has been a co-host on Outback Outdoors, which airs on the Sportsman's Channel. Before that, he had the pleasure of working for Eastman's Hunting Journal as a research editor and was the archery co-host for a television show, The Best of the West. As a freelance outdoor writer, Trevin writes for many national hunting and bowhunting magazines and serves on multiple outdoor industry promotional staffs. In this show, we will dive deep into a topic and idea that Trevin has talked about in numerous articles and seminars over the years, which is that 10% of hunters kill 90% of the wild game. I think it's important to note that I didn't choose this topic because I think we should compare ourselves to hunters that kill a lot of animals, or that we should define the success of a hunt by the kill, but because we naturally want to improve our skills as hunters and bring home the bounty of organic meat to share with our family and friends. Trevin shares some great information in this interview that we can all learn from and hopefully adopt as we grow as hunters. All right, welcome to the show, Trevin. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to uh, join me on the podcast.
1: Oh, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm, any any time to get to t- talk about bow hunting and hunting in general, being outdoors, I'm I'm in.
0: Yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, I want to, I want to dive right into this right away with you because it's something that you've been talking about for a while. And, you know, I've heard you talk about it, but, you know, there's probably a lot of guys, especially new hunters who've never heard of this before, um, especially in hunting. So let's talk about the idea that 10% of bow hunters or hunters, I I think it's bow hunters is, is the actually the term that you use, uh, kill 90% of the game. You know, where, where does this idea come from?
1: It's something that I came up with uh, I actually did an article I think four or five years ago that really came across and I think hit a nerve with people and what it what happened is uh I turned it into a seminar and i've I've written a couple of different things kind of kind of some threads off of it but if we all look back, there's somebody we know who uh maybe it's a cousin, maybe it's somebody on our block, maybe it's someone in our hunting community that we know, and that dude gets it done every year. Public land, over-the-counter. Uh maybe he's a uh, the white tail hunter hunting the back 40 of his of his buddy, you know, his, his grandpa's property. And um but he consistently gets it done. And I got to thinking, you know, that would be a great case study if if i could go around and interview people that uh that have a lot of experience um pardon my french but killers guys that were consistent killers and i think it's okay to 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 say that i don't absolutely i'm I'm not not a not a big pc guy so um and so I did. I interviewed Bill Winky. I interviewed. Uh, I interviewed just a bunch of people in the industry that I know consistently put critters down.
0: And now, and now for the guys that are just listening, who are just getting into hunting, I mean, these guys that Trevin is talking about are the top, the cream of the crop. These are the top guys that consistently kill big animals. Um, and it's not even about killing big animals, but these guys do kill big animals, and they've been hunting for a long time. They've got. A lot of wisdom. They've had a lot of time out in the field. They've spent a lot of time learning these different concepts or these different characteristics. And Trevin basically, you know, knows these guys personally from over the years working in the industry. So he dived into these questions with these guys to find out these characteristics. So, kind of, what what are these characteristics? Let's let's kind of dive into these and go through these.
1: Yeah, sure. I, I think one thing I want to preface before we get going is that I I. Colin and I have talked about this quite a bit. I hate the word pro hunter. Uh, there is no, there is no, the, the only pro hunter I know are the professional hunters in Africa that are there to save people's lives. And, you know, we're just guys that, and that's who I reached out to, guys that just have a ton of experience. And, um, you know, the first, the first one that kind of actually, uh, of my kind of my five consistent, uh. Traits that these guys mentioned as as I interviewed all these guys, Bill Winkie, Mark Kaiser, uh, Jace Bowserman, um, just all these different guys in the industry that are consistently killers. Um, and this is what filtered through as I continued to ask them these questions. Every one of them came out with these answers. So the first one is visualization for any a- a- athlete out there. Um, I don't care if it's Something as extreme as uh, target archery, where you're visualizing seeing your arrow hit the target, or bowling, where you're visualizing coming in and picking up that you know spare or or getting that strike. Visualization is huge um, in in the fact that you're actually seeing yourself doing putting yourself in a position of success before you do it and and there's something that can be said to that visualizing the shot you know visualizing the animal all that stuff
0: yeah i can i can kind of play off of that a little bit i played college football and We did a lot of visualization before games, just thinking about our plays and thinking about what was going to happen during the game. I mean, that was one key concept that even our coach, you know, he hit us hard with it. He said, hey, you need to visualize this win. You need to visualize what's going to happen on each play. And when you visualize, I've noticed that you have a lot more success because you're thinking about it it becomes repetitious.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dave Baroneo, who, of course, is one of the hosts out back outdoors. Uh, a lot of people don't realize he was extremely high level skier, um, and, uh, skied on a very, very competitive level. And he would talk about, you know, I talked to him about the fact that he would sit before he went down his run, his down is his downhill ski run. And he would visualize every gate that he'd go through. So I think without belaboring the point too much, uh, you know, you need you need to you need to see that bull. Let's say we're elk hunting. You need to see that bull come in and and be able to help yourself when it actually happens. Because you see that bull come in, you look for the spot. He goes behind the tree. You pull, come to your anchor point. You draw your bow. You come to your anchor point, and then he steps out. Maybe you you know, maybe you had a little cow call, whatever, and then you settle that pin and you release. And you see that. So, and that's all in your mind. Um, uh, and people roll their eyes at us sometimes, or at least at me when they, when I talk about this, but you know, I rode bulls and i would visualize riding bulls i would visualize i wrestled at a pretty high level i would wrestle uh before i went in my wrestling matches i would visualize it so there can be there's something to be said as you as you mentioned Colin seeing something before you do it it makes it easier for you to do i believe yeah
0: and, and you've kind of talked about this when i've read your articles about this is it kind of comes uh there's a second nature effect to this mhm becomes second nature so as you visualize it all of a sudden it's happening and it's there. Right. So. Right.
1: Right. Now, now I do want to preface one thing. Visualization does not take the place of practice. So, so, uh, you know, let's not, let's not be silly there. Remember if you can't hit the broadside of a barn, just because you visualized your arrow hitting, you know, you still need to practice. So let, I, I don't, I don't want to take that to, to an extreme. That's, that's, uh, asinine because, you still need to do your practice. You still need to put in your time. In football? What'd you do? You still you still did your reps. You still lifted weights. You still did all that stuff. Um, but to get your mind right, the visualization visualization really helps.
0: Now, what's the what's the second characteristic of you know becoming what you call a ten percenter?
1: Well, that keys into what I just said: preparedness. Now, how can we prepare, prepare ourselves for a hunt? People say, "What are you know what." How do I get ready? Well, each hunt is different. Okay, so we're going to try and put ourselves in a mindset that uh, is good for the whitetail hunt, the elk hunt, the mule deer hunt, whatever the hunting is that you're doing. You're putting yourself in the, into that. Now,
0: is there specific areas like uh, you know within each hunt where you know? Ways that you are getting prepared personally, like uh, with the bow hunting, is it different between bow hunting and gun hunting?
1: I I would say so. Um, again, the the top of this whole list is 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 knowing your weapon and being able to hit your mark. Okay, um, bench situations uh, at the range with my bow, and I'm set up, and I'm you know I'm making sure my pins are set. You know all that stuff. I'm going to assume that we we're going to do that. Okay, then I'm going to take the next step, which is uh, to be specifically prepared. Um, Randy Ulmer, uh, who in my opinion is one of the greatest um, bow hunters, uh, maybe particularly Western bow hunters, um, he's killed more big mule deer and elk with his bow than I've probably seen in my life. Uh, But Randy talks about stepping outside and shooting one arrow. You know, a lot of guys go and they'll pound three, four hundred arrows down range. And and I'm not saying repetition is wrong, but there is a point where you go, okay, this is it. I've got this one shot. And you step out, you grab your bow, you settle in and you send it. Did you kill him? Did you miss him or did you wound him? You know, put that pressure on yourself. Prepare yourself for that one arrow and make that one arrow count
0: that's a real scenario and a real hunt. I mean, you're yes. not going to have more than one chance, more than likely.
1: Since I've moved to Colorado and stuff, I've become quite addicted to whitetail. So I'm kind of actually a whitetail junkie right now. And, and I'm a newbie at that. I it was 33 years old before I ever got into a tree stand. So for me, I'm eating up this, this new newness of what whitetail is and food plots, all that stuff. But what I'm figuring out is there's not much that dif- There's not much different. And being prepared for that one instant in a tree stand or in a ground blind in your whitetail woods, as there is out in the in the in the west, maybe spotting a stocking. Now, what's the difference is you've put yourself in that position. You've in the west, you've found that animal. Now you're moved in. Now you're getting within range. Whereas in the whitetail woods, and the hardest thing for me is you know they're there. You. No, they're probably within 200 yards of you. Maybe they're within a half a mile of you. Whatever it is, and you have to maintain that position and let them come within your range. That's the hardest thing for me. It's literally so mentally straining for me um, that you know. I anybody who says whitetail hunting is easy, uh, I I'm like, okay, well then you've got a lot. more mental toughness than me because i've sat 21 days and never drawn my bow and i know that big buck is within a half mile of me
0: now being prepared can be before and during the hunt obviously now getting prepared before the hunt you know yeah you have to be physically fit
1: i think don't you matters on the hunt i think you could never be too physically fit what i mean by that is when you're physically fit what, what what does your body naturally do when you're working out, you feel better. You 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 actually, your body reacts better. You, you're going to heal quicker. When you're eating good, it's a cycle. I saw it riding bulls because I'll be honest. You do not have to be in the best shape to get on a bull. Now, uh, let me preface that with: if you're riding in the PBR and you're getting on the rank franks, the 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 rankest bucking bulls in the in the in the nation, you better be in top physical condition. But to be happy jack and go and get on a rodeo at your local county fair and even maybe ride, you don't have to be in that great a physical condition. But what I found is when I I started riding bulls, when I worked out, when I started, it added to my mental toughness. It added to, of course, my physical toughness. It added to everything. So with that preparedness physically comes preparedness mentally becomes
0: routine I think and i I noticed that in my own life just when I get in a routine and I do things over and over consistently you know and i I'm more prepared for any moment that happens no matter if I'm really prepared for that moment or not I'm ready for that moment to happen right.
1: and but but you know I think one thing that's important is to understand that we don't we want to be prepared we want muscle memory we want routines but we don't want to go on autopilot I hear a lot of guys talking about autopilot and hey you know I, I just need to be able to s- bury this arrow right at that spot and so i can do it in my sleep okay that's good but if if in a pilot's term let's use pilots airplane pilots terms and this is something randy olmer taught me if i try and go in an airplane and put it on autopilot and then try and land what am i going to do i'm going to crash Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly
1: so, so what we need to do is we need to be prepared, but we don't need to be on autopilot. We need to be able to be fully embraced, uh, uh, fully aware. That's a better word. Fully aware of the moment and what's around us and yet still react.
0: Now let's, let's jump into uh, the third characteristic here, persistence. Uh, talk about persistence a little bit.
1: There is no argument the fact that the guy down the street who consistently kills – has more vacation time than you. Let's be honest. The more time you spend in the woods, in the stand, glassing the ridges, whatever, bow hunting is, especially bow hunting, is a game of numbers. You need more opportunities. You know, when we're spotting and stalking out west, a lot of times we say we need, uh, we're going to kill one out of ten stocks. Okay. Now there's been hunts that we've killed on our first stock, you know, but there's been hunts that we've killed on or, or haven't even killed, you know? I mean, so I think persistence is key. So the other thing you have to do is you have to say, okay, don't be the guy who spends two, two days out there on a 10 to 12 year tag, you know, that it took you that long to draw that tag 10, to 12 years. And you spend two days, take the time. You've got to put the, the the time out there. Persistence is key. So, that's about being in the woods. We know that. But it also takes I think some persistency because bow hunting is like baseball. Baseball is one of the only sports that when failure is the norm that you're going to fail more times than you succeed. We got to look at bow hunting like that. Bow hunting you have to be willing to, to just get crushed and get back up. Because that's what it's gonna take. You know, when you've sat on a buck all day and you've moved in and you're within 30 yards and all the sucker needs to do is stand up and the doe that you never saw blows you out. And he and he, he comes up and he's running Mach 90 down the other way. Yeah. That's tough.
0: Well, it can, it can be mentally challenging, too. I, I've had days where I hunted Kansas, you know, deer hunted in a tree stand in Kansas for, you know, 12, 15 days during the rut. And just trying to stay persistent. I mean, I, I see these deer come in, good deer, and they come, you know, almost close enough for a shot but not close enough where I want to take that shot. And I just need, you know, I need another 10, 15 yards. And I, just trying to stay persistent and knowing that deer's around, he's going to make, he's going to mess up at some point. When's that point going to be? I just got to stay in the stand and I got to keep hunting hard.
1: That's tough. Oh, it's really tough. Yeah. Let's just for ease of, of talking, let's Western Eastern. So we're in a tree stand hunting, you know, whitetail, maybe you're mobile hunting elk or mule deer or antelope or something like that. Regardless, you can't give up. And, 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 and you know, I say that, but yet I want to take a step back and understand that sometimes there is a there is a good time to to quit and, and back up
0: yeah that was kind of that was my next question is there is there a time when you need to step back from a hunt and you know and kind of think about what's going on too
1: and I think that's all about visualization I think that's all about being prepared those first two really fall in here because if you are if it's not right let's say uh you have that buck that's 10, 12 yards further than you – well, then you want to shoot. But let's say – let's say not even that. Let's just say he's within your comfort zone, but there's some branches in the way, whatever it might be. Sometimes you don't shoot. Sometimes you pull yourself back. Sometimes you back out on a stock on a big old buck because the wind's swirling, and you know if you blow that buck out of there, he's going to be three canyons over if you ever find him again.
0: Yeah,
1: the hunt's done for sure then. Right. So sometimes, with the persistence comes quitting, and I know that sounds backwards. But and again, this is a Randy Ulmer quote. Straight up is that sometimes quitting is the best thing. Come back and do it again. If you don't quit, you you're literally going to lose that opportunity. I had a buck in Eastern Colorado, and I dream about him called Chips, <laughs> and um, I think you know what I'm talking about. I I, I you know I think this was 2000 and six or 2007 i hunted this day with uh, i hunted this buck with adam for five days and we got on him three different times and uh you know there was times you just had we had just had to back out and you know we weren't quitting but yet we were quitting for that on that actual stock we we backed up and we and reset our reset you know our our attack plan we reformulated it because we had to
0: I've heard the same thing from, you know, I, I know more about the whitetail side of, uh, of hunting and the most consistent whitetail hunters, they know what situations are good and what situations are bad. And just because they're not sitting that tree stand for 10 days in a row doesn't mean they're not staying persistent to their hunt. I mean, they're, they're getting in that stand and playing those wins and playing those situations with what they know is the right situation because they, it's going to give them the best opportunity to kill that animal
1: which might mean two days out of their whole hunt they actually sit in the stand that they know that you know that's you know that's right in that proper position yeah it's, it's being smart so yeah
0: let's take a quick break i wanted to mention again go over to our facebook group it's called activate the hunt digital campfire go ahead and take a break from the podcast and visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash activate the hunt and join our digital campfire This is a free online community where you can talk with other hunters, ask hunting related questions, share your own hunting tips and stories, and so much more. This community will provide great value to all of you, no matter if you're a beginning hunter or you've been hunting for years. Like I said before, you don't want to miss out on the conversations that we're having in this group. Go over and join the group right away. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash activate the hunt. All right, back to the interview. Now let's jump into motivation. This is the, the fourth characteristic that you've talked about in becoming a ten percenter. Tell me a little bit about motivation and you know the things you're doing to, to get motivated and the things that you know these these top hunters are doing to stay motivated. I mean, is is this just happening during a hunt or before a hunt? You know, talk about that a little I, bit.
1: I, I think I think there's both. I think I think the hardest part is right now the we're in you know that that summer, June, July, uh, even on into early August, and it's hard to stay motivated <clears throat> because here we are. We call it, you know, everybody needs to lose their Christmas weight, right? And we try and we start working on that. Come spring turkey season, and we're you know feeling a little better about ourselves. Then we hit this lull, and uh, I think one thing that helps me is picking uh, something that motivates you. Now that could be a person. That could be looking to someone and saying, I want to emulate that person. I want to, you know, for me, it's events like train to hunt. Um, for those of you who don't know what a train to hunt is, and I actually just did a new one called Alpha Bow Hunting. Uh, Phil Mendoza out of No Limits Archery in Denver does this event. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, a, it's like a train to hunt light, if you, if you want to say that. But in the train to hunt, what you're looking to do is you're looking to put yourself under physical and mental duress
0: for those that are familiar, it's kind of like a Spartan race, except for with hunting aspects to it. So you, right, you've got yeah. your bow out there, you have you kind of put yourself in situations that are hunting or bow hunting related.
1: Right, and, and and they do a 3D course, and there's things on the 3D course, like you come to draw behind a, a tree or a bush, and then you have to take three steps, acquire your target and shoot, you know, within a certain amount of time, um, there's some holds I know a lot of us. You 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 know you come to full draw and you got to hold for thirty seconds or a minute. You know as that buck stops right where where you know there's a big old tree trunk in his vitals and you got to let him take a step out. Well, we're simulating that, and then after that there is uh, what we call a challenge course where you go through a course and you get your heart rate up. You do a physical activity like a burpee or or a sandbag carry or something like that that's going to get your heart rate up and then then you have to settle it down to shoot and make the shot. And it's just a great time. It's, you know, nobody ever goes and really gets intense. Uh, I say nobody, that's not true. There are some people that actually win the Spartan race. But when I, if, if I'm going to go do the Spartan race, I'm going to do it as a chance to get myself in shape and camaraderie. And and my buddies, we're going to go, you know, my wife maybe, and go and do it together. Same thing with this. It's awesome opportunity. So I use that. I use that. Um, I'm looking at people. I'm looking to people for motivation. Um, I think of uh, Dan Staton, uh, Cameron Haynes. I think of some of these guys that are – they live a lifestyle.
0: Yeah, it's not just one day out of the week they're going to work out. I mean these guys are consistently posting on social media, talking about this in podcasts, doing this on – you know tv interviews or it video interviews they're it's a lifestyle for them it's just being motivated and motivating others i don't think that these guys think that they're the best and that's what sets them apart they're always striving for something more they're always climbing the hill
1: right yeah yeah i i would agree with that uh they're both those two guys are both genuine guys um you know just because and i just want to speak to the general hunting population just because you don't look like Cameron Haynes or or Dan Staten or you know some of these guys, do go do something, even if it's walking, anything you can do that motivates you to put your body in action is gonna help get your mind right. And let's be honest, uh, we need to be Working as we get older, I'm 46 now, and I'm really conscious of it. Uh, we need to work for the future. We need to work for uh, for our future health. I want to do this when I'm 65, so I realize that I have to ke- allow my body, um, or, or not allow. I I need to to control my body. I need to make it my slave. To put it in kind of weird terms, but it needs to be able to be my, you know. Work, do what I wanted to do, not let my body dictate what I can do. Otherwise, if I'm 46, now I'm 50, now I'm 55, and I haven't been able to maintain a level of fitness that allows me to do what I want to do when I'm older. So if we work now to get that under control, and it's going to just make us stronger mentally, it's going to make us stronger physically. And that's it's going to dictate it's going to be you're going to be more successful, honey. I'm I, I'll, I'll argue this to the day I die. When you get your body and your mind right, uh y- you can do anything better. I don't care if it's beach volleyball uh at church league, you know? It is. It's going to you're going to be better. Uh,
0: now the last topic that you're talking about, you know, in these seminars and in these uh articles is aggressive adaptability.
1: What what is aggressive adaptability? The ability when you're down by seven and you need a, a touchdown and that two point conversion. And so you hand that off to your big tailback and he runs it up the middle and you get that six. Now, what do you do? This is where aggressive adaptability comes in. You come in and you go, okay, how are we going to change things up and get this two points to win the game? This is in hunting terms means thinking out of the box. Um, let's be honest. We are flooded by an immense amount of information and expectations of climbing in a tree stand. And then the big buck walks by and you make the perfect shot and you pump your fist in the air. say, I, I, I smoked that Joker, which I hate that term. And, um, and then you, That's not real life.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's what the TV shows and and a lot of the magazine articles are talking about You know, which is always our hope I mean we 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 go into this because we want to have success and we want to have it as quick as possible But that's not that's not realistic.
1: I don't think so and so we have to be willing to look at a situation and say How can we how can we make this happen? I'll I'll, I'll share uh, an example last year Um, And it actually came out on the show uh, and we showed this, uh, the ability to turn around and take a situation and be aggressive, uh, um, safe, but yet think out of the box. And it worked. So we're sitting there. I actually have Dustin Etheridge, our head producer, is sitting there and he's in a great ambush spot. And we're sitting up on a kind of on a ridge. And there's a huge alfalfa field. We're in Wyoming hunting mule deer and whitetail. At this point, we, we've been seeing some really good whitetails come out of the corner of this uh, fence fence corner, just you know, a crossing, and they work their way into the into the field. So we set Dustin up uh, with a the cameraman there, and and the deer are starting to move up, and we look out in the alfalfa field, and it's probably knee high. It's about ready to be cut, but it hasn't been cut. And there's two mule deer work their way into the field, and bed down. Now, there's a ton of antelope in this area, too. And with him hunting over there, I wasn't going to blow anything out for him. So we decided, hey, let's get aggressive, and let's go after these bedded mule deer. The problem was we were up on a ridge, and we had to drop off this ridge in plain sight of these deer. Well, we decided, let's try an antelope decoy. And people probably think we're crazy, an antelope decoy for, for mule deer hunting, but we popped this antelope decoy up. And again, there was antelope everywhere. And it was nothing to see an antelope walk on a ridgeline. So we popped it up, me and my cameraman Garrett, and, and, and off we headed. And we literally covered 150 yards. The bucks actually stood up and looked at us and turned around and bedded back down. Okay. And we got in. I ended up killing that buck. Um, because once I got in the field, I had the cover I needed to move in. Um, another thing is, is you talk, uh, Mark Kaiser talks about it a lot about being able to, it's not working. Uh, how many people have watched a bedded buck, uh, a, a buck that they want to shoot, but he comes into about 120 yards and then beds down. And in a lot of places in the Midwest spot and stock is not an option because it's so thick, but in a situation where you know where that deer is it and you know, and you've been sitting there and you know, there's not a, a bunch of other deer around you. Sometimes the best thing, if you can get out of that tree stand and get down on the ground, you have a chance. Um, so I think that's where aggressive adaptability comes in. Um, being able to change your tactics midway to fit, literally to fit the situation. Um, if you're locked into the only way I'm going to kill a mule deer is to sit on a water hole. You're,
0: putting yourself in that situation and saying, that's the only way you're going to kill something.
1: Right. You know, and and I'd be honest, there's, I love to spot and stalk, but sometimes I've looked and up, there's a water hole. Well, and now I change up and I go sit on the, so, uh, you know, being able to change for the situation at hand, um, being flexible. What are the animals doing? Sometimes uh, Montana decoy makes a. uh, they call it the moo cow decoy. And uh, man, if, I don't know how many times I've used that, not necessarily to get into position to get the shot, but even to move to a position to where then I can get to a position to get the shot. So being aggressive um, means that, hey, you're running the risk of this blowing up in your face. But again, bow hunting's a numbers game, and you've got to have opportunities.
0: Well, and one thing I want to mention, uh, you know, because a lot of these guys that are listening are new hunters or guys who aren't very experienced like myself. And I, even in my short time hunting, I, you know, these things don't just happen overnight. You start to recognize these opportunities to be aggressive and to adapt, you know, as you hunt more and you spend more time in the field. So, you know, for you new time, new hunters, don't, don't get down on yourself, you know, get back up and, and notice a situation when it happens. And when it, you know, when that situation occurs that, you know, you can be aggressive, adapt to it.
1: And you're going to have success at some point. And, and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to blow the stock, but that's where persistence comes in. You got to pick your, you know, dust yourself off, pick, your, pick get up, pick yourself up, and and go back and get back in the game. I think um, you just have to be willing to uh, be smart. I know a lot of hunters that are good hunters, but they're too timid. The great hunters, the guys that are the killers, as we say. They're not, they're not scared to think out of the box, but they've also probably done that a time or two and picked up a few helpful tricks that, that, that make them more successful. So yeah, I, I think that's the key to aggressive adaptability. Don't get caught. Don't say this is the only way you're going to do it because people used to tell me all the time there's no way you can spot and stalk whitetails in open country. And we've proven that wrong time and time again.
0: Now we're, we're kind of getting short on time here, Trevin. Uh, as I wrap up the show today, I like to ask my guests a couple additional questions. And that first question is a simple question, but I know it's going to be different for everyone. So why do you hunt
1: for the adventure? Um, if I were one of the guys that said, I do it to feed my family, I'd be lying. Um, I I don't. I can go buy chicken. I can go buy pork. I could. I could raise my own beef if I wanted. I do it for the adventure. I do it to get in touch with something that's deep in my soul. uh, That I, I, I hate to be cliche. That it's primal, and say the word. You know, it's primal. But really, since I was a kid. I wanted to be the Davy Crockett. I wanted to be Daniel Boone. I wanted to be that adventurer. And for me, in our modern times, the closest thing to that is uh, is, is is bow hunting, is hunting in general. Uh, you know, whether it's a muzzleloader or a crossbow or a rifle or whatever. To me, that's why I hunt is for that adventure. To go into a place where it's not your territory and try and outsmart this amazing, beautiful creature and, 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 and be able to, to harvest it and, 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 uh, you know, and so that's why I do it. I mean, I don't, I don't apologize for it. Uh, I I try and, I try and kill them. And, um. And I, and I think there's an important part of that. That's a whole nother show about management. Why do we hunt? But, but I, I don't want to go down that road. That's, that's why I hunt. Where
0: can the listeners uh, find out a little bit more information about you, Trevin, and get in contact with it with you if they want to? I,
1: I think uh, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, those are Outback Outdoors. All one word on all of those uh, are, is how you can get a hold of us. Uh, I have my own personal and it's Trevin Stoltzfus. Um, you know, if, if you want to get a, in touch with me personally, um, we're, we're on the sportsman's channel in the fourth and first quarter, uh, starting in October, going through March. Um, and, and we're really, we're as with this new age, you know, we're, we're looking to do more digital stuff where we're actually going to be dropping some, some films coming up, uh, a hundred percent digitally. And, and so, you know, if you, if you're checking out our Facebook page our Instagram page, you'll, you can, you can find out how to, uh, you know, when those drop where you can watch those at.
0: Great. Trev, I just want to say thank you so much for, uh, again, spending some time with us today and, uh, you know, sharing your wealth of knowledge. I know it's not just your knowledge, but it's a lot of, you know, those top hunters out there that you're connected with as well. And I really do appreciate that. And thank you for spending time with us.
1: You got it, bud. It's my pleasure.
0: I hope you enjoyed the interview this week. I know I personally learned several things that I will be thinking more about this summer and adopting as I prepare for the fall hunting season. I also want to encourage you to take a look at what Trevin and his team are doing with Outback Outdoors on the Sportsman's channel, as well as their new films dropping soon. You can stay up to date with Outback Outdoors on social media. Visit the show notes for this episode at activatethehunt.com forward slash zero zero four for the links. Finally, if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to hit subscribe. I would also appreciate it if you would leave me a rating and review. This will help others that are looking for hunting information find this podcast. We will be back next Wednesday with a new interview. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Activate the Hunt Podcast. For additional information about this podcast, the show notes, hunting articles, and more, visit www.activatethehunt.com.